Welcome into Paydirt Sports. This is Will Dundon here with Nick Trucial and Seth Coggin here to talk kind of everything that happened over the weekend. Pretty big weekend. So we had pretty much basketball, baseball, a little bit of everything going on. So first of all, we'll kick it off, guys. Good news for everyone. Coach K, Gonzo. Also, though, I guess the first question I could ask, do you think he is Gonzo for good? I mean, some people are talking about uh, he might take a page out of Brady's book and uh, do a little reversal on this retirement. I don't know. I could see Coach K doing it with just, I mean, getting bounced by UNC um, in the last game in the not winning the ACC and then getting bounced in the final four by North Carolina after meeting for the first time. Obviously, a lot was left on the court for Coach K. I mean, a final four appearance, you really can't complain, but um, I think in his head that that might have pissed him off enough uh, to maybe rethink the retirement a little bit. I could see it, but I mean, he's also been coaching since 1980. So 42 years is a long time. Um, and he's probably wants to spend some time with his family. So it, it'd be tough to, for him not to call it quits after this whole, I mean, the way he made a retirement tour out of it and everything. And I mean, I hate nah, it. Man. Okay. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think you've seen the end of coach K. That's what I'm going to say. Sadly. Like yeah. you're going to see him. Maybe he comes back for an Olympic, like Olympic run or something. Maybe he does. Uh, you know, what if he goes some- back to army? Goes back to army. Yeah. Where he no, started. I'm not even kidding. Like I could see him for a season committing to something like that in like three years, just because he cut because he went out like he flopped so hard in his his whole retirement tour. Like yeah, they were a good team. They have how many NBA players do they have like in their starting five? Yeah, they're a good college basketball team, but yeah, he lost in his final game at home to North Carolina his most bitter rival through all those years, like this, the, who they held themselves against. And then you get to the final four and you lose to eight seed North Carolina again, again, 50, you had, 50 and 50 against North Carolina yeah, for his that, career. That that's tied, another that reason. Tied it up. I'm I think, telling you, I he's got the edge. Like, just, hey, I don't know if he can come back this. I really think he will be gone for now from Duke. Like, he can't do that retirement thing and come back. If he did, that would be – you know how much hate he would get next year? Like, you know how he people were – so Yeah, because he got so much hate, hating. right? Yeah. If he came back after making – after a full year of, of a victory parade, they literally threw a national championship parade for a whole year before they even played in the tournament. He loses his last home game to – they didn't. <laughs> they didn't win the ACC tournament, and they failed in the Final Four against their long-standing rival, the Tar Heels. So uh, I think a lot of the itch to come back and win something to go out on top because he's. I think he's. I'm gonna hate on him a little bit right now. I ain't got no hate for him right now. I mean, they already lost, so I ain't got no hate for him anymore. But I think he'll want to go out on top. That's all I'll say. He'll have an itch. He'll come back at some point, and you know, go out a winner somehow. He'll figure it out. Yeah, that's the thing, too. I feel like if he comes back, it almost has to be – because I think what would bother him the most is the whole 50-50 and record against North Carolina. Like, you are dead even right at 100 games. Is that really how you want to – because, I I mean, I had no clue what his record was, honestly, against North Carolina until someone brought that up. Yeah, everyone was talking about it. That's got to bother you. But how can you – is, is there a way for Coach K to be like, actually, you know what, Duke, I want to come back 
just tell John Shire to go back down to assist him for a couple of years until I want to come until I want to leave again. I, I, Cause I don't think that's a possibility either. You can't just move a guy out, but maybe they would do that for coach K. I don't know. If anyone could do it, coach K would do that. That's what I'm saying. It, like if, if any coach in the history of, of sport would do what coach K could possibly to unseat the guy you've, you've chosen and to be like, no, I'm coming back is so egotistical. Like that is the most to even have all of this about yourself. It's quitting. Like, no, nah, I'm quitting. I'm done. And then uh, just because you're a little upset, you couldn't quite pull through. So you're going to unseat this guy who's already like doing this huge task of taking over after Shusevsky. Like the yeah, coach that comes after Coach K, is, he's already like taking on this huge kind of weight that you have left behind of being, you know, so successful. You have built such an elite successful program that you are a standard of, of true excellence of sustained excellence. So um, I'm already feeling in your shoes and now you're like hesitant to like, you're pulling back at the power. It's like a power struggle dynamic. I think it would really end poorly if he did that. I think his best bet is to be like Roy Williams, be supportive and involved and gone. But then show up at the final four and cheer like seeing I, I, I didn't watch too much of the game, honestly. Um, still, you know, still kind of bummed. It's hard. You know, the Hogs lost in the lead eight to Duke. It's hard to watch them play. You know, the Hogs could be in that game right now, you know. Anyway, but you see Roy Williams just like celebrating it up in the crowd. Oh, nuts. With Anton yeah, Jameson behind him, too. See, that's sweet. Like, that's a good that's a good vision of a coach post, you know. Yeah, I mean, Roy Williams did it right. I mean, he didn't want all the fanfare, didn't want all the BS. He, he said, I'm done. I love North Carolina, but I'm old and want to go spend time with my family. Why don't I just go sit on the sidelines and have a good time, watch him win a natty? I mean, that's he, he's done it the right way. I, I've, I'm so on North Carolina now. I want them to win so badly tonight. And uh, it was tough to see Villanova lose because I, I, my two picks were both dogs. So still uh, came out plus units since uh, we were uh, taking both dogs. But Kansas, man, they look uh, – they look ready to roll. I'd be yeah. They uh, both look good. Um, yeah. and, and it's funny y'all were talking about Roy Williams because I was thinking that too, watching how happy he was uh, at the end of that game. It's hilarious seeing how much hate where everyone's throwing towards Coach K. And for me, I think Roy Williams just seems like I don't want to say polar opposite, but Roy Williams just seems like such an easy to like kind of coach and kind of guy. Likeable, maybe yeah. because of some of the stuff we're talking about that he did. And but anyway. Uh, besides that, no, yeah, going into the – so to our listeners out there, remember it's about uh, 7 o'clock here in Nashville, so about an hour, hour and a half before tip-off for the Natty. But, yeah, so we got UNC, Kansas. And I've kind of been pulling for UNC this whole tournament. I had them going pretty deep. I had them going to the Elite Eight, and then obviously pretty much everyone's brackets are done by now. Uh, but, I mean, I've had a ton of fun watching UNC play. Baycott's an awesome player. Caleb Love got hot. The other night, he's fun yeah, to watch. He, that three ball he hit was disgusting. When I love seeing Hubert Davis kind of being able to take the reins, like because I mean, people were nervous. I think North Carolina fans at a point in the season were nervous of, of if Hubert Davis was going to be able to get the job done. And obviously, getting him back to a natty, that's where you want to be. So I would like to see North Carolina win, and I think they can. But Kansas has just seemed like they've been just kind of taking care of business the whole time. Like, they they do look good. They look crisp. I think it's going to be a really good game. I really – I couldn't tell you what happens. All I can say is I'm going to go with North Carolina just because they're kind of the team of March this year, it seems like. So, I'm going to ride with them. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas comes out and wins this one either. 
Yeah, I mean, Kansas looks about as sharp as any basketball team can right now. I mean, the the Villanova game was never, never really in question. They uh, were pretty much dominant the whole time. Um, I'm kind of indifferent about Bill Self. Uh, he's take him or leave him. Um, yeah, actually, I'm Seth. Now that you say that, I'm kind of I'll, I'll say a little bit halfway thumbs down. We'll uh, we'll say so. I, I'm not the biggest Kansas fan at all. Um, and Hugh, Hubert Davis, I think being able to play for his alma mater, he uh, was amazing as a senior. There, averaged 21 points a game uh, his senior year. Then ended up playing for the Knicks and uh, bounced around the NBA for a little bit. Had a pretty good NBA career. So, I mean, the story behind everything with UNC right now is just so awesome. So, I, I, I gotta I gotta take a money line again. Screw the points. I don't want plus four money line straight up. UNC take it. It's a money line game. You can't you can't take the spread in this game. It's a national championship. You pick a winner. You know. Yeah, you pick a winner. Yeah, yeah. if you think UNC is going to win, you think they're going to win. You or or can't you know? Um, yeah, it's a tough one for me. I have no real. Uh, I, I can't really stand Bill Self. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, just based on head coach alone, I'm I'm, I'm all Tar Heel tonight. I don't know if they will win. Uh, Kansas is pretty good, but I think Kansas is likely to choke pretty bad in this one. To be quite, to be honest, they played really good the other night. Shot really well. I don't see them replicating that success. And North Carolina is kind of like you said, the team of March. And I think they'll just, I think they'll overpower them tonight. Uh, I got, yeah, I got love for Raleigh. They took down Coach K. That was pretty impressive. What the Hogs couldn't do, so maybe the Tar Heels, you know, deserve it. Got the Tar Heels by about seven in the end. Oh, alternate line. Tar Heels minus six and a half. That's got to be about <laughs> oh, plus 300. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, if you're really yeah, looking for some odds. value. Seth, what is your – I got to ask, what's your beef with Bill Self? I, I'm not crazy about him either, but you seem to have a pretty well, good one. I love the city of Memphis, right? And so the 2008 title, the only one – Bill Self gets all this credit. He's won one national championship. That he pulled out of his butt, dude. Like – Memphis should have won that national championship so easy. And Chalmers did a miracle. Chalmers did a miracle. Well, and Memphis was missing all those free throws. That was no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Memphis gift wrapped. That was before I I couldn't stand Calipari because he still hadn't been to Kentucky yet. So he was so he was like a cool coach back when D Rose, bro. D Rose in college, of course, dude. I love that Memphis team. I really wanted them to win. And then so Kansas did that to me. And then I just can't. Bill Self's kind of greasy. He seems like hold himself above other people when he's just like won one national championship, but one of the most storied programs ever. Like you're in Kansas, you're you're truly yeah, you're you're up in the upper tier, but not really because of what you've done. You've just kind of rode the coattails. You've won a bunch of Big Twelves and nothing in the tournament. Like you're not that special, Bill Self. Personally, he did spur an Arkansas. Like there's always rumors of us. Arkansas could have hired Bill Self back in like 2002, like oh, right so after no, Illinois. right after yeah, right after Nolan Richardson uh, left, like he was one of the main top options at the time. So that's kind of what back in the day it was like. Man, what if we had hired Bill Self back in the day? But who knows if he could have done? I mean, he's done. He's done a lot of good stuff at Kansas. Yeah, like, I mean, he he's has. Won- the, yeah, the regular well, winning the Big Twelve all the time is crazy. Eight times and then, so Final we're just four. Hog fans are salty. So that's yeah. uh, to be honest, uh, that's what I got against Bill Self. 
No problem. And and Arkansas and Kansas are like closer in proximity. So if Arkansas did get, you know, Arkansas has been two straight elite eights. If we can kind of keep being really good, maybe have a decent little rivalry with Kansas going on. That'd be fun. I'd like that. Arkansas yeah. and Kansas seems like a natural, like a fun basketball game. So it does seem like a fun basketball game. I think that'd be a good rival to have. Y'all be a tough one. I'm just ready for this game to be over so we can really go to next season because it's actually looking like like Arkansas is about to be, if not the number one team in the country, like one of the top preseason top three teams in the country, which is just something I haven't seen in my lifetime. And I'm, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a good gonna ride. Be, yeah, Arkansas will be up there up too. There. I mean, Vols the Vols will be up be, there. They'll be up there. I mean, the Vols, uh, even Kentucky even with if Kennedy Chandler decides to leave, I mean, you're gonna have a lot of that production returning. So yeah, Tennessee. And well, be there was news coming out uh, with five star point guard Sky Clark. Uh, Tennessee's pretty much t- taking the front runner uh, spot here. He's uh, nice. in the top twenty five overall for recruiting uh, or in his recruiting class or whatever next year. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to skip a beat uh, if we end up getting Sky Clark and Sky Ziegler. Obviously, he, he's going to – I think he takes uh, a big step up next season, uh, obviously with the extra minutes if Casey ends up leaving. So, Ziegler will be able to fill that role. But also kind of talking a little bit uh, of another team in the SEC here, Will, we were talking about this before – how LSU has completely crumbled as a as a basketball program. So I have a a, a cool zero. Here. Yeah, dude, I'm glad you so, brought that up. I totally forgot about that. LSU basketball currently has zero scholarship players left after firing Will Wade. Eleven Tigers have entered the transfer portal. Two declared for the NBA draft, and four top 100 high school uh, commits this upcoming season have decommitted from LSU. So, I mean, they have literally lost everything. They're starting zero. from ground zero. This is like, is this like death penalty-esque? Like, if uh, you have zero kinda. players on a roster, like, they they play basketball, you know, the season's a few months away, but they're playing pretty soon. They have zero players on a roster. Like, they're, well, gonna, they're filling 12, get... they're filling four, they're filling 14 spots. Like, they're not just filling six guys in a transfer porter. Yeah, right. and they they're lost all the recruits, 14. too. Yeah, they have Yeah, that's nothing. right. They don't even have the recruits. Like, they have it, it's nothing. one thing, you could, you could bring in some really good recruits, and but it's still not enough. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're going to, I mean, they're going to have to be playing walk-ons. Uh, obviously, the transfer portal will probably help, but it, I mean, there's so much uncertainty right now with what LS, how this is all going to play out, so that, this may go down. Spot. This may go down as one of the craziest like roster situations and coaching turnovers in the history of like college basketball. I, 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 it has to be unprecedented to have zero players on your roster. Well, so actually, funny you bring that up because I remember when Tennessee was playing, I think it was UT Martin this year, and apparently every single player on their team, it was their first year there. They had a that's new right. head coach. I, yeah. That, and that's ob- obviously, but this, I mean, the LSU situation at, at the SEC level, like we're talking a whole different, it, it's a whole different animal. Like it's it's yeah, comparable because it's the same situation, but it's really not comparable. because Yeah, because UT Martin, you can kind of like, you can game, kind of game it. Yeah, you can recover and you're you're playing weaker opponents and uh coaching matters a lot more. I mean, in the SEC, you need yeah. talent. That's gonna be a crazy team to watch next year. 
to just see. I think they almost have to get a coach who can bring in six guys from his current team or something They're like some situation a like that. Brinks truck, yeah. To oh, Will Wade, like what a good horrible riddance. excuse good of a coach. Like cheated, cheated, got away with it, and didn't win nothing, and didn't left do, yeah. a wake of destruction. Like left a monumental like gap. They did win that one regular season, or like uh, that when tied ben Simmons it. was there. Uh, yeah, like or no, Ben Simmons. They didn't even make the tournament when he was there. Yeah, yeah, like, no, they that did. was they were like a nine seed, but they I'm made pretty it. sure they didn't make the tournament. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. They were like either way, like he had Ben Simmons and didn't like do a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, they did Real win ways. that. Um, like with Tremont Waters and um, Smart, that team won the regular season, I believe, or at least tied it with Tennessee that one year. Um, so they were pretty. They were pretty good that one year, but outside of that, they pretty much have not been very successful, both in SEC play and tournament play. What coach is going to want to walk into that situation? You Just got zero players play on the roster. Yeah. You got well, sanctions they got the upcoming from Murray the NCAA. State guy, Matt. Uh, oh, he's already so he the, they hired him. Yeah, the, and I mean, I think that's a pretty good hire. Yeah, that actually for, is a pretty good hire. That's interesting that he would even go there yeah so they hired him uh on march 21st so just a couple of weeks ago um but yeah it'll be uh he's from oak ridge tennessee by the way so that lsu to tennessee connection uh for some reason keeps going with will wade being from nashville and then now uh moving over to matt mcmahon who uh is from oak ridge be interesting to see how that plays out but it's going to be Tough. Uphill battle. Yeah. Uphill that had battle. To have been like, because, because, right. I would have thought too, he could have gotten a job of a that lot of caliber, places. probably yeah. like, and walked into a better situation. But I bet there was a, hey, we're going to give you a lot of time to figure this out. So that probably was a little more attractive to him as well. He's probably not going to, yeah, like, there's he's no got way they're four good years. for yeah, a while. They have to give him four years at least to kind yeah, of rebuild. I would, yeah, I would say even more than that, maybe. You they, to... they gave him a seven-year deal, so <laughs> that's pretty nice. I gotta yeah. say that, like that, that does make it. I know it's kind of down right now, but man, I got seven years to build this LSU basketball program. I could, I kind of do that my yeah. own way. You're still LSU, think, man. You got. I, if I was an LSU fan, I'd be like looking for results in like year five, maybe. But like these first three years. You can't really be expecting much, I feel like. Yeah. You got to see progress, but you can't expect like winning. <laughs> right. Right. Because like you're not, you're not going to be a top, top tier program for a few years for sure. But you do. I mean, you can see the progression um, and kind of still have hope for that future and still support. That's when you really need to actually support a program is when it's trying to like build back from. You have a bad look right now. Like LSU is a bad basketball reputation. You need to totally come in and build something fresh and new and, and different. So, yeah, someone could put it the right stamp on the program and really build it up the way they wanted and make it legit. But it's also a very tough uphill battle. He's climbing. First few years are going to be rough. Like this next year could be ugly. You're in the SEC. Like that, you're every team you play is good. I mean, in any in any power conference, you know, you can't just roll out of the bus with a bunch of guys and no, and especially <laughs> you're with how get the, run. the SEC has really kind of the past few years 
uh, invested a lot more in basketball and gotten better as a conference as a whole. Alabama's good with Nate Oates. Kentucky's good, obviously, as always. Tennessee is good with Rick Barnes. Muscleman in Arkansas. Mississippi State is always uh, around Bruce Pearl at Auburn. Um, Well, even teams like like Vandy starting to get kind of good again. They're on the upward trend. Definitely on the upward trend. I mean, they were middle of the pack, which I think is better than what a lot of people thought they were going to finish. So, yeah, it's going to be – I'd have LSU probably uh, finishing at the bottom of the SEC. Either – I mean – Kermit Davis has kind of lost everything at Ole Miss. They're pretty bad. Um, but LSU, they they pretty much got to finish last. Florida's not doing too hot right now either. But, I mean, they're always competitive at least. So, How many new – we can probably talk about it a little more next week, but there's a bunch of new coaches going to be in the SEC this year. I don't know how many open jobs there were, but it's about seven. So about half of the conference is going to have a new head coach which is kind of wild. So that's a crazy kind of rebuilding year for almost the conference yeah, as a whole. Yeah, because what did uh, – Kwanzo's gone at Mizzou, right? Yeah, yep, so Mizzou had a new uh, coach. Yeah, Georgia yeah. got Mike White, so that's right. kind of weird. Like, he stayed in that – but still, it's still a switch. Still first year at Georgia. Um, South Carolina's going to have a new coach. So, I mean, South Carolina, Florida – Georgia yeah. had a new coach. So I've got the list right here. LSU, Matt, Missouri. Matt McMahon to LSU from Murray State. Todd right. Golden from San Fran to Florida. Dennis Gates from Cleveland State to Missouri. Uh, Lamont Paris from Chattanooga to South Carolina. And then Chris like uh, Jans from New Mexico State to Mississippi State. Um, so Ooh, I like that. SEC reset here for kind of half the teams. Um, yeah, and we'll see. And that's kind of how it goes. Like half of those coaches will probably have pretty good success and half probably won't, you know. So this is something interesting talking about uh, Calipari here. I'm seeing this. Uh, so Calipari has delivered the following, the worst season in school history, a 9-16 debacle in 2020-21, the worst NCAA tournament loss in school history to number 15, Seed St. Peter's, obviously. It's now been seven years since Coach Cal has made a Final Four in a decade since his only national championship at Kentucky with probably one of the most stacked basketball teams of all time. Um, and if you go look on Twitter, or at least a couple of weeks ago, if you looked on Kentucky basketball Twitter, they were not happy with Coach Cal. Bye-bye. Cal's gone. <laughs> it might not. He, they If they haven't fired him yet, they're they're too late. He's done. He's washed. Cal Perry hasn't won a, a, a tournament in 10 years. Think about all the pros right now that have yeah. rolled through Kentucky. And he doesn't, he they don't have many final fours either. It's not like he's really knocking on the doorstep. They're not really rolling SEC regular seasons or tournaments. Oof, but so the sticking point to a potential Kentucky separation from Calipari. Uh, so they awarded Calipari a lifetime contract in 2019 after he flirted uh, around with the UCLA job. Buyout number would be $46 million. Oh, $46 million. did it right, dude. Whoever's agent, what has he done since he signed a lifetime contract? Had the worst season in, in like history. And he bombed out, lost to a fifteen seed in NCAA tournament history. NCAA tournament history, maybe of all time, maybe. Well, the Virginia, Virginia one was, yeah, yeah. but almost almost St. Peter's is in its first year. Like, no, that that's not even that's crazy. So anyway, 
And even uh, kind of talking about some other coaches here. So Ole Miss is obviously flirting with getting rid of Kermit Davis. And then even on this article, Tennessee coach Rick Barnes is 67. How much longer is he going to go? I could see Barnes retiring. Well, he just signed an extension, right? Yeah, but I could see him still retiring in the next two to three years. Yeah. I could see two to three years, but three years is a long time. Yeah, no. So, But, I mean, definitely – uh, you, you give it three years, Barnes retires, you give it three years and that buyout for, well, I guess since it's a lifetime contract, is the buyout just going to be 46 million? It's forever? gotta go. It's gotta go down at a reasonable yeah, rate, I don't know but that how, is crazy that he got that, that, that he snagged a lifetime contract making whatever he was making. And then has just kind of, you gotta be just disgusted as a Kentucky fan. You gotta like people, I Cal is on the hot seat because Kentucky is different because like we said with Duke, they have established themselves at a sustained level of excellence, no matter the coach. Like, no matter who's been at Kentucky, they've had elite teams. Yeah. Like, they because they are an elite 96, basketball right? program. I think the most, the funniest thing to me was comparing him right to, to Tubby Smith, right? Yeah. One of that's his predecessors. Were, this article is literally having, to Tubby having, Smith. I mean, in a mirror, having almost exactly the same statistical records, but. One thing to Cal, a pro and a con, is that he has had probably more NBA guys, especially elite-level NBA guys. Yeah, elite. But that's a negative to him because it's like, yeah, you've actually had better you've, – you've got the same record with better players. Like, you've had a more stacked group of players, and you literally have not had any more success. Well, and like we were saying a couple of weeks ago, Tubby Smith was getting run out of town after because we compared those kind of the last seven years – yeah. Of Tubby's time with the last seven years Cal's yeah. had. And Tubby had better uh, in the tournaments, had more wins, something like that. But it was clearly a better resume those last seven years than Cal has had. And yeah, like Kentucky fans yeah, like, couldn't wait to get him out of there. Yeah, because he won the SEC in 05, uh, two years before uh, they, he left in 07. Because I don't think – he didn't get fired, right? Because I believe he resigned because he kind of knew his – was it like uh, they was asked co- him yeah, to leave kind like, of type thing? Yeah, the, the writing was on the wall, and he resigned and ended up going to uh, Minnesota. And then he's bounced around everywhere. Was at uh, Memphis for a little bit, Texas Tech, and now at High Point. So he's just slowly tumbled down the hill uh, of coaching jobs. Yeah, I mean, to, I guess, wrap up basketball a little bit here, we want to talk a little NBA before we jump into some college baseball um, one interesting thing that I saw, so we've pretty much locked in most of the teams here, but there is going to be a battle as the Lakers are one game out of the play in tournament right now as an 11 seed. Um, and LeBron is hurt, not playing. Anthony Davis is hurt. Uh, the Spurs are one game ahead right now. So the Lakers might miss the playoffs. Um, and then Brooklyn, they've locked into the play in tournament, but they're probably going to finish as a 10 seed. Uh, so they're, yeah, they're not going to have any kind of home court advantage. And Ben Simmons was announced that he's done for the regular season for sure. And most likely out for the play in games as well. So we're probably not going to see Simmons in a Nets uh, uniform this year. And Durant, uh, while he's been playing incredible like out of his mind these past couple of weeks, uh, they spoiled a, a 50, I believe it was 55 or 57. His career high, uh, ended up losing that game. So Brooklyn's in trouble. The Lakers are in trouble. You know, who's not in trouble is the Memphis Grizzlies. 
at the number two seed, seven game win streak without Ja Morant, beat the uh, Bucks, beat the Suns, beat the crap out of the Suns. Uh, I mean, we're playing with, I think that Suns game, they were missing their top four players. Um, I guess they were out, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, John Morant, and Adams. So, I mean, this team is about as complete and as whole as you can have it right now. And, boy, am I excited to see Memphis uh, Memphis Grizzlies basketball in this postseason. Dude, seeing 901 turned up in the playoffs is exactly what we need. That is That is exciting. Just to be – I'm a casual fan of the Grizzlies. Like, you know, I'll be honest. I do love them. Like, I love watching them play. I love going to the forum, but I don't watch them every night. Like, I can't, it's just, they play a lot of games. But seeing just the city kind of get energized around Jaw, and then, and then even on top of that, that the team around the team him is, is actually so good. good. Yeah. Then they're so complete. The playoffs run through our house, you know, at least until the conference well, finals. So let's go. I mean, so- it's prime time to make a run. The, the Western Conference is there to win. I mean, you, your top team is the Suns, who are a great team, obviously, but let's Beat put them up. in a seven-game series. Like, let's run them up. No one's playing quite like quite like the Grizz right now. It's exciting. No, nobody is. So they're uh, tied for first um, in points per game. They might have even taken it completely with these last couple of games. But so the biggest crux of the Grizzlies – uh, for the first half of the season was defense. But since the all-star break, they're number one in overall team defense. So they are literally number one offense right now and could be considered the number one defense with how they've been playing. Uh, I mean, the Grizzlies, everybody's scared of them right now. And it uh, takes one more win to tie the franchise record 56 wins from that team that went to the Western conference finals and got swept by the Spurs in 2013. But uh, I imagine this team is going to win two, go two and two to finish the season, at least, even though they're kind of hot on a seven game win streak, you kind of seen a falter a little bit, but I, I see him getting 57, 58 wins setting the franchise record and then setting the, setting the franchise record of the first Memphis Grizzlies team to reach the NBA finals uh, on route to a, Let's see, five-game series win against the Suns in uh, the Western Conference Finals to then a thrashing of the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals. I'll Let's say. go. That's, uh, that's my prediction here, my quick prediction uh, off the rip for uh, these finals. We'd have to get to Memphis for a finals I was going to say, boys, Memphis do you think finals? we can? Well, yeah, and they, they have home court advantage um, in every series except the Western Conference Finals. Uh, against the Suns because they've uh, locked in a better record than any East team could get right now. So game yeah, one, the like make game the one finals, of the NBA finals in Memphis. Memphis. Oh, we got to make that happen. That's got to happen. Stat. Well, we definitely do. We, we've got to make a, at least a playoff appearance for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Definitely. That'd be we'll sweet. It'll be a, hot ticket, man. It'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. The, the prices have been getting a little bit good. more expensive. Good. For here. good. Yeah. Used to go to used to go used to, to go Grizzlies fifteen bucks, yeah. dude. Yeah, you could go money. cheaper than that if you really want to sit <laughs> if you up. Were in the nose maybe a postseason. Like a you go for a postseason game for like fifteen bucks. Like, but, uh, maybe not. Maybe when they yeah. very first started. By the end, there. I mean, it was rocking, but yeah, but like, that grit and grind. 
Line but regular season, even 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 the best days of the regular season, you could go for, which is yeah. awesome. Which is, I mean, you should be able to go to an NBA game if you if you're willing to sit yeah. like if you're willing to sit really high, you should be able to go cheap. There's really not that many bad seats in the forum though. No, dude. No, no I've well, sat, I have sat on the top row of the forum before. Like my back was against the outside railing, and I loved it. I had a great time. Like I had an awesome time. Yeah, the stadiums aren't big enough to really have a bad seat. Yeah, like basketball and like hockey stadiums for the most. They got part. good yeah, screens too. 000. Like they got you, you know for stuff that you really can't see detail wise. Like I got a video screen I can easily see. Um, plus, you can kind of see. I've always loved in basketball arenas when I'm up, you know, pretty tall. That's why I like. I, I always sit in the upper deck. Not always, but. Like when I go to Razorback games, I like seeing like the whole depth of the crowd, like excited. Like you go to a Memphis game and people do get super excited and and just jumping around yeah, at Grizzlies games. So rallying. seeing the whole excitement of the crowd, it's nice. They're rallying and it's uh been It'll a be fun, fun postseason. Like anybody that puts on a Grizzlies uniform right now, as long as they have Memphis on, on the front of their jersey, they're playing well. It's insane. Um but yeah, I'm I'm just excited overall, and I'm excited to see how the Eastern Conference kind of finishes up here because the the Heat are in the first spot right now, but the Celtics are only half a game behind them. The Bucks are only a game behind them. Um, it's gonna be uh, it's probably the tightest finish here to the Eastern Conference that we've ever seen. So it's gonna be uh, all these games matter a lot for those teams. So we're gonna have some good uh, good basketball to to close out the season here. Who should I – I don't really care much about the Eastern Conference. Like, what What should be my team to kind of hope makes it to the finals? Who, who do the Grizzlies have the best chance of beating? Well, I mean, I would say, like, maybe the Cavs or the – like, somebody like that. I'm rooting for the Cavs. They've kind of tumbled a little bit here. I think they're at the seventh spot. Uh, but just with Darius Garland – Nashville born and Shout bred, out 615. Uh, first year all-star. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm on the Cavs train right now. And then Mobley, they might have the best, uh, best rookie in basketball right now. So I, I'm going Cavs, but uh, they, they get a lot of ground to make up as they've tumbled kind of the second half of the season after starting off pretty hot, getting all the way up to the either third or fourth seed. I can't remember. So Cavs are my team in the East, but they, they've got a long ways to go for sure. I like the Hawks. I just like shout out Atlanta. Yeah, I don't even know. The Hawks, I think, are either one game in or one game out of the plan, I want to say. Um, I can't remember exactly, but it, Trey Young, he's a, he's a freak for sure, but they not too much defense and then not too much help <laughs> uh, outside of him. So well, that's what you kind of have the state of Tennessee a little split. I feel like a lot of East Tennessee – East Tennesseans are fans of the Hawks. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but the Hawks are in the A seed right now, so they're in the play-in. Uh, um, well in. Yeah, All so they're in the play-in. In. They're going to they're gonna get the – yeah, but tough draw with the Nets. Uh, Nets are not good. That's why they're the Nets. How are yeah. the Nets not good? <laughs> well, Kyrie hasn't been able to play uh, a ton of games this season, obviously. That's, of that changed, game. though, right? Or it's about to change? It, it's about yeah. to, yeah. But and Kyrie is... Durant has been hurt throughout the season. Obviously, the the hardened trouble and chemistry, everything at the beginning of the season with that trade uh, has led to some fallout and just kind of injuries across the board and bad team chemistry has led to, led to some crappy play. But... Eh, well, I might... So... I'm looking at it here. 
Yeah. So the Heat are two games ahead of the Celtics. Bucks are two and a half games back, and then uh, 76ers are two and a half games back. So they're still the top four teams here, and then the Bulls have really tumbled uh, from being in the number one spot down to number five with Toronto running out the just regular playoffs at six. Um, it's going to be, yeah, all these teams are close because so the sixth seed is only five and a half games back from – the number one spot in the Eastern Conference Finals compared to the Western Conference, or not Eastern Conference Finals, Eastern Conference, Jazz 16 games back at the uh, sixth spot. So it's really anybody's ball game right now in the Eastern Conference, it seems like. It seems like Harden's working over there in Philly too, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he, he was playing well, had a bad couple of games, but then bounced back uh, very well. So, yeah, Philly, uh, and I mean Embiid is – playing out of his mind it's looking like Jokic might end up securing the MVP but it's either Embiid or Jokic at this point yeah I saw it was down to them too the big men for the MVP so both uh yeah so Philly's number four and then Denver is number six so uh kind of some softer records for an MVP but I mean their stats have been unreal so um, but you guys want to talk a little college baseball here before oh, we yeah. get into uh, football. We obviously got uh, a little bit of football talk to talk about, but college baseball. How about those balls, baby, with a sweep of formerly number nine, now number 16, Vanderbilt. Uh, embarrassment. Embarrassment. And they, so w- w- let's kind of talk about the elephant in the room here with the Mike Honcho, Jordan Beck, uh I don't even know what to call it. The the illegal bat after he pimps one. Bat gate. Yeah, bat gate. So the the sticker fell off in the batting cage. Uh, but what was really interesting is how the Vandy fans have been talking all this crap, and there was one illegal bat found uh, in this series, and that was a Vanderbilt baseball bat. Yeah. That was a Vanderbilt baseball bat that was not allowed to be used this series. They took Jordan Beck's bat. It was approved by the NCAA. The sticker literally just fell off. Well, they gave it back. Didn't they have to like yeah, hold they on gave to it, it or something? Yeah, they held on to it and then gave it back. Yeah. So, I mean, it's – and they did no further testing because they basically uh, proved that it had been tested and approved. It literally just – the sticker fell off. Well, and the best part about this Tennessee baseball team, some saying the greatest team of all time maybe, we'll see. But the best part about this Tennessee team that Tony Vitello has brought and that Tennessee Vol fans are loving is the straight up it's it's not confidence, it is straight up cockiness that this Tennessee yeah. team has. After after that bat, the whole bat incident happened, obviously Tony V's on the headset making jokes, calling Jordan Beck Mike Concho, like he's 35 years old, shouldn't <laughs> even be here. And then Luke Lipsius goes up not too long later, bangs a home run. Round, comes in, touches home, and the players have a bat for him to hold. And for the celebration, he decides to take a look at the bat, give it the thumbs up, and make sure it's legal. I mean, this team, they throw the fur coat on. They got the daddy hat. It's everything that Vol fans have dreamed of, honestly. A true winner, just talent all over the place, cockiness, and they back it up. I mean, it's awesome to watch. And yeah. they've done it too. We were saying earlier – Two weeks in a row against Ole Miss and Vandy, you just made it through the toughest part of your schedule and swept both of those teams. Swept in their own stadiums. Um, 
And there was a cool, cool interview that I saw from Drew Gilbert uh, after game one, they were asking him. So, or I think it was after game two, actually. So it got a little bit quieter uh, than Friday. Uh, what are your thoughts, thoughts behind that? And he's like, yeah, well, we, we definitely hear that stuff on Friday, but uh, they got a lot quieter. It, it, it kind of tends to go that way when you're stomping on somebody's throat. Um, so, I mean, they are fully embracing this villain cockiness attitude of the SEC, and I'm all here for it. I mean, ERA team-wise at 180, uh, I mean, that is insane. UCLA at uh, 2.5. At number two, um, batting average is uh, at number four in the country right now with uh, Drew Bean, local Nashville kid, 0.88 ERA closer, who is yeah, just, I mean, playing out of his mind right now. And really, this pitching staff hasn't even been able to reach full potential yet as we've had some injuries. And a couple of guys who could be considered aces have not even really gotten a, a full chance to, to pitch yet. So I think there's still a lot of stuff on Twitter that I was seeing all oh, well, last year with rocker and um, what, what was that other Vanderbilt pit leader lighter lighter. Yeah. Jack lighter. Yeah. But through, I mean, they hadn't even given up a hit or whatever through 15 games or something like that. So people were talking, oh, well, Vandy did this last year and the Vols are going to, they're peaking too early. I mean, we still are missing a couple of key pieces and getting guys back from injury and playing this well. Well, uh, wasn't it Ben Joyce didn't even pitch? Yeah. Was it it Dolander didn't pitch? Yeah. Or did he pitch? We had two like ace type pitchers who didn't even play against Vandy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's complete BS if you're saying this team. uh, Well, I don't know if it's complete BS. It's going to be tough to keep up and not lose a single game in the SEC. But I I think there's still a lot left for this team to do. Um, And like you said, Will, really on both sides, pitching, fielding, hitting, uh, uh, all three facets of the game, the Vols are – either number one or top five in the country, you, you, you could say. So there's – I mean, I couldn't be happier right now with the, the job Vitello has done um, and how fired up our coaching staff gets too. I mean, you saw Vitello screaming at the umps, give me the effing bat and all this stuff, freaking out when the, they, they were checking the bat. So many people love this team. So many people love Vitello. He's so – he's just a fall at heart too. You see him on the sidelines of the – the basketball games and it just everybody in Tennessee loves Vitello right now. Tony V, baby, you gotta love him. Tony um, V, future Razorback head coach. <laughs> that I don't would know, be man. D- him and DVH don't seem to like each other a whole lot anymore. No, no, I think that no, I think that time has passed because he's had too much success um, already at Tennessee. He's already. I, mean, I think he'd probably rather build his program. Yeah, he's not like we were talking about. Not time. that not putting Dave Van Horn on Shostevsky level, but like. He's been a true standard of our program for, you know, by the time he retires, 25 plus 30 years. Former Husker like, coach. Yeah, former. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the, it, the ties, man, the signs. But uh, it's like by that time, I feel like Vitello will have built. I mean, he's already like like he's established like, in year whatever. He has a team that is truly trending as one of the best teams we've seen in a long time. And that, that obviously has already established itself as a national power. Like you went to Omaha last year, you've already kind of, you know, been to that level. So now you just, you know, got to go win it. Now they do got to go win it to be, to, you know, join the kind of echelons of, 
of uh, that's kind of how it works. But they got a good chance at it. They hammer the ball and they they have a lot of great pitching. Um, so, so I didn't realize Dave Van Horn made it to back to back College World Series at Nebraska in 01 and 02. Yeah, we were good. We had uh, Jabba Chamberlain, Alex Gordon. I mean, we we're getting players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's then, part of it. So he's, but I mean, reached... Nebraska's always been, Nebraska's actually always been like pretty solid at baseball, especially now in the Big Ten. Like the Big Ten obviously isn't known for being great at baseball. Nebraska's usually up there kind of towards the top always. Um, and they had a chance last year. They actually gave Arkansas a pretty good run for a little bit there yeah. when they played them in the regional. You got Van Horn stats up there? Uh, yeah, I, I, I got him pulled up here, his records. So he, College World Series in 04, uh, College World Series in 09, College World Series in 2012, World Series in 2015, College World Series runner-up in 18, World Series in 2019, and then last year, uh, lost in the Super Regional. That's unreal. But That's yeah, unreal. That, it's essentially like every player that has come to play for Van Horn since he started has, has gone to the College World, World Series. Series. Yeah, if they, were there, if they were there. So for, impressive. Yeah. And how many, I mean, produced a ton of MLB guys. and It's been a fun, I mean, Arkansas, it's, it's crazy. Arkansas baseball has had three coaches, like, in its existence. Like, it, and the program's been around. It'll be, it's a, this is its 100th season. There were a few that, I think they've actually had, like, five. But for the last, like, 79-something years, they've had three coaches just sustained and all of them have been to Omaha. Like all of them have had success here. Um, so let's just talk about, we talk a lot about football and, and basketball program perspective because they do have true, they are, they have a bigger feel of like a true program, um, more people involved, but the Arkansas baseball program is just really top notch. They do a, yeah, do a really good job. They're right there behind the Vols this year. Like the Vols have, they, they deserve all the hype. They deserve all like they Arkansas is playing well, but, you know, not like blowing anything out of the water. And the Vols are doing kind of that. They're just a freight train. Yeah, 9-0 um, in the SEC. But right we're right now. there, you know. Like, they are number two. They still, they'll have yeah. to, Hopefully, they'll have to go through well, It's them. a long, long season, too, yeah. 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 And, I mean, Omaha's when it matters, you know. You got to get there, so you got to be playing it's well in the tournament. To but, get there. man, Omaha's where it matters. And that's where Dave Van Horn doesn't have it. He don't have – he's been – look at how many times yeah, he's, he's been, been there, there and he hasn't won it. Runner up that, that proves, I mean, just yeah. about how hard it is to win, like baseball. I, I don't know, baseball's that Omaha's a hard tournament to win because you need you need to play yeah. really good baseball against a lot of really good baseball teams. And if your so. pitching staff just gets hot, I mean, in baseball, pretty much they can dictate a, a game completely. So really, whoever bats are hot, and uh, if the your pitchers are hitting their corners and hitting their spots. Uh, I mean, anybody can really do it in the World Series once you get there. Yep. Or you could – I mean, Arkansas lost at home in a Super Regional last year. Won the first game like 21-2. to two. Yeah, I remember that. And you're thinking Hogs are like breezing right to Omaha again. We're the number one undisputed team in the nation all year. When the SEC – don't lose a single SEC series. Like not a single one home or away. Win the SEC tournament. Like totally unanimous, up twenty-one to two, win the first game of your super regional, and then North Carolina State kind of catches some a little magic and wins two straight, and that was and, so and it just snatches they, it right from you. And then obviously, and then NC State, State looked great in Omaha, and then, and then had yeah, to play they, with like 
eight dudes on their roster or some yeah. crazy. And then they almost did it too. I mean, that it, honestly, I think NC State might have won the World Series if uh, they didn't have to lose all those players. I mean, yep. they were they were playing so well, um, yep. and then just kind of got screwed by COVID. So well, imagine quick, let's explain because y'all y'all talking about this makes me think of this because I don't even I don't think I could even tell you exactly how it works. But so like set, regular season ends, what is, what is the exact road like after that? Once you start getting into tournaments, like what do you have to do yeah. to get into Omaha? Basically, so it's there's a field of sixty four, just like mm-hmm. uh, just just like basketball. Well, I mean, I know basketball sixty eight, but you know what I mean. There's sixty four yeah. slots, so you do the postseason tournaments, and just like basketball, it's a auto bid. So, um, you know, if our, like Arkansas won the tournament, they're an automatic bid. Um, so just, that's just the same. And then it's at large teams. So there's 16 host sites, right? So the top there's really, there's the top eight national seeds. So there will be eight super regional sites, eight winners of the, so there's eight teams that make it to the finals, eight teams in the finals. And then the, so you start out as your host sites, you get 16 of those. They just got four teams. So you got to win your site. So it's a tournament of four at that point. You win your you win yep. your regional. And if you win your regional out of four, you go to a super regional. And the super regional is best two out of three. So it's a series versus one team. And then whoever wins a super. So that's why it's so important to be a top eight national seed because – these are all at home sites. That's what makes right. college yeah, baseball so fun. So fun is that like the super regionals there. will be at Arkansas if we're a top eight seed. Like yeah. if we win our regional, we know that we're hosting a super regional. So it's a two out of three series in our bar, our ballpark to go to Omaha. So winner of the super. That's when like making Omaha is kind of basketball equivalent of kind of a final four. I would say. I know it's I know it's different. Like no, I agree. Eight, yeah. But, it's kind of like you've won your super regional. And at that point, the tournament really resets because essentially you're on a side of a bracket. So when Arkansas wins a, or Tennessee wins the two out of three super regional, they join another four team pod, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's four and four Just, on each side. Yeah, it's right? four and yeah. four. And so then you got to re-win that double elimination tournament. And then you got to win another series. So then you go to the championship series and then it's a best two out of three again. That's what the baseball format is really fun. It kind of mirrors each other. It's like a four-team pod and then a two out of three series and then a four-team pod double elimination to a two uh, to a two-team series. So, so you got to kind of win different ways of a tournament. Yeah. Is the regional a series as well or is it just one game? No. No, it's a four-team double yeah, elimination four team, tournament. like tournament. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so – Right now, I was uh, – let me see. I might not be able to pull this up in time, but I was looking to see kind of the the early predictions of who's going to host all these regionals here. Um, Tennessee being at number one would be so awesome. It, hosting that in Knoxville um, would be sweet. I'm not going to spend the time here. I, I lost the tweet. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – I'm with Seth on that. The way college baseball has kind of uh, – made their postseason is i think probably the coolest out of uh football basketball baseball um in college sports it's just having that home stadium uh feel to it is awesome and being able to to host a a whole regional and everybody come play uh is pretty cool i wish football would adopt a little bit of that 
I would always, I've always wanted a first round to be on campus. If you got to expand it to make that happen, do it. Like, but that would be so fun to have a round of the NCAA, like NCAA football tournament on campus, a playoff game. I think that would be so exciting. If they were to expand it, yeah. I, I, would, yeah. I think that's what they should do. Because that would be – I mean, that's good for everyone. It's good for the schools. Yeah. Still an advantage. I mean, being a home team. Yeah, that too. Since you expand it, yeah, you're putting in more teams, but it's still an advantage to be at home. Well, you guys want to talk a little bit of football here before we're going to close out a new segment of some golf uh, coming uh, here at the end. But we've got a little football to talk here. Um, A.J. Brown leaving the Titans. No. no, no, it ain't happening. No. Shut it down. It and I said this to y'all before we started. It, I haven't even seen like that much of it, but the fact that I've seen anything at all about this on Twitter, like from Titans fans, just kind of like wondering if there's any hint of truth to this. I'm like, guys, stop. This is not, there's no reason to even be talking about this. And Seth, say, say what you, you were saying kind of before we started the podcast about just like what teams are basically doing. Yeah. When you are a great player, an elite player, you are wanted. People do want you on their team. It's like, it makes a ton of sense that teams that need a wide receiver will be like, yeah, we'd like AJ Brown. Yeah. But we're sitting here as the Titans and we want him too. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he's already well, he that elite receiver in our, like on our team. He is our all pro receiver. So like, no, we'll just keep him. Like he wants to be here. He's not, he's not bringing on these kind of, like, it's not AJ wants out. It's nothing like that. Like there would be more credence to that. If it was like, Oh, AJ Brown wants out of Tennessee. I'd be like, like, Oh, that's not good. But this is totally just other teams like piping in noise, like piping in noise. Just like, Oh, the, the jets would love AJ Brown. The Jets would love him. Yeah, he's going to be Jets expensive. To like that's their only argument is that he's going to be expensive. But like we've proven that we will pay t- like our guys top money that are like on to the highest level. Yeah. Yeah. If they're already here and he's a positive influence on the team and the culture and, and it's just been a huge part of this team's elevation is like his emergence as a, as a AAA receiver. Like he's, he's an elite receiver that we can trust in so many ways. Got it. He'll, he'll be on the squad. I, just shut him down. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's people freaking out because we haven't extended his contract quite yet. Um, but if you look at the kind of Titans history, it's we don't extend contracts early that that no. very often. Um, and you look at Bayard and Lawan getting their contracts, not um, not getting extended until later in the spring. Um, and kind of once training camp and all that stuff starts going into the summer as well. So I mean, I don't think it means anything that we haven't extended AJ Brown yet. Um, I think that's the only thing some of these stupid teams or teams fans are grasping at um, because it what it's looking like we're probably going to have to pay uh, average per year around twenty five million to keep AJ Brown. So he's going to be expensive, out. but we'll figure it out. And I mean. It, Bayard restructures his deal every year to get guys on the yeah. team. I mean, we got dogs on this team that want to be in Tennessee. We've built the culture with Rabel. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves Amy Adams, Strunk, and John Robinson, the the organization. So, and you're yeah. about to win a Super Bowl. Like you're not you're not trading yeah. AJ Brown on the 
on the cusp of a Super Bowl. Well, and that's what really I I think I laughed out loud when I was reading it on Twitter. They're literally it because it's it it actually isn't just opposing teams fans. I, like I saw some Titans fans being like, "Well, you know, this is going to be really expensive. I wonder how many draft picks we could get for AJ Brown." Unless like, we could Stop. get like five or four first rounders, like no. I definitely or no, no it's like you no, no, unless I could get the next seven first rounders. Yeah. If you like, gave me seven straight first rounders, I might consider it. I mean, yeah. you might have to do it, at but that no one point. would ever. That that would be yeah, the no, biggest trade would, in the history of sports. And yeah, that's that would be so happening. stupid. There are some guys happen. on certain teams that are just untouchable, and I'm not saying AJ Brown's at at Derrick Henry's level, but it's not far off. I mean, there are guys you just don't trade on your team, especially when it's guys you drafted and are kind of the glue guys on your team. It's one thing if like if OBJ is jumping around from team to team, but when you have guys like, like Bayard or someone like you're not getting rid of guys that have been around this whole time and are leaders on your team. And I don't know if AJ is necessarily like a leader, but he is one of the guys. He's definitely that, a leader on the offense for sure. He, he's well, he's just in that he's, he's a Titan. I mean, that's all you can really say yeah. about it. Like there are a few guys that just aren't probably aren't leaving until they get too old or something, you know? Yeah. So what do you guys think about, Draft wise, um, first round pick. What are the Titans doing? Because I mean, I feel like we could go offensive line. We could go receiver, um, and some people are even talking tight end. But I think with bringing in Austin Hooper, I don't know if you'd want to. I, I think we're pretty good with Swaim and Hooper right now. Um, but losing Saffold, obviously, we're going to have to replace him. Um, We'll see what how Raidens plays this next year. And then having Bobby Trees coming at receiver helps, but obviously he's coming off an ACL injury. We don't know if he might miss the first six, six games of the season. You can't have NWI being your number two receiver. So we're gonna, I think we got to go receiver again at uh, uh, round one here, go after uh, – I don't know if Olave will fall that far, but – Well, I've seen – Jameson Williams – yeah, I've seen Jahan Dotson a lot yeah. uh, from some of the mock drafts, and I'd be okay with that. I mean, he's really good as well, kind of a speedy guy. Um, I don't know though. I think I think there's a chance those guys are still around though. I don't. I mean, there's just so many receivers. You don't know. Yeah, it's all going to be kind so of personal loaded. preference for those teams that pick receivers before us. I mean, you. I truly don't know who's going to fall. So, yeah, but I, I, I would like I to see a receiver. I think we all kind of would. Yeah, but. receiver round one, and then I think you go O line again in round two. Um, We've kind of whiffed. Do we have a do we have a second round pick? Or do we oh wait, no, we only yeah, we only have a third round pick, right? Yeah, I think we skipped the second. Yeah. The, uh, and we might have now or did we get what did we get uh we might have a two thirds. Pick? Yeah, I'm thinking either two thirds or two fourths because of cutting Julio. Um there was some kind of comp. Sorry, pick Julio. In, yeah. And then uh Saffold being cut. I, I want to say it was either Julio or Saffold got us a comp pick. I can't remember. So, well, what yeah, happened we with got, Woods? Did we? Well, we didn't trade. We just got him, or did we trade something for him? Uh, like, did we think, just sign Woods? I think, or we, yeah, just I think we just signed him. him. Yeah, I think I we see. just signed him. Uh, I might be mistaken there, but I feel uh, like we may have actually. I don't know. Yeah, check that real quick. See what oh, yeah, was. it was a trade. You're right. Yeah. So, um, did we pick up any picks too? Because they basically made that trade to cut cap. Yeah. So we kind of got a deal. So. On. Uh, yeah, six round pit. Okay, it's nothing crazy. So yeah, I think that's perfect. Um, 
they need to find a few gyms this class that really just somehow spark fire and are instant contributors. Like how awesome would it be if we got an instant contributor in the third round? Like it can happen. We've done it before. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully they can. Yeah, find. really. The I, late I, round I, draft picks have played better for the Titans recently than uh, our top draft picks outside okay. of the Simmons and Brown. But I want a wide receiver in round one because I think the depth of talent is too big that there will be a really great receiver there available at 26. Um, I've said that for a while and I still hold there. Like you guys kind of said there, we don't really know who's going to fall, but on draft night, like there's going to be one of those top receivers that's available at your pick. That's like, we got to draft. Like this guy is too good. He's too game changing. Like there are game changers that will be found in this draft. Like, with those receivers, they all have the potential to kind of open it up. So I think someone's going to be there. I'm, I'm rooting for my guy, Traylon Burks to make it, to be quite honest. If, if the Titans picked up Traylon, like, awesome. he didn't have the best combine numbers, but I promise like he is an, uh, he is a game changing elite wide receiver that that would be awesome to pair alongside. He's similar kind of making mold to AJ similar kind of size, big, but still fat, like still kind of, you know, deep threats, um, but also kind of slot middle, middle of the field, strong receivers. So I don't know. I think someone will be there pretty good and then fill in some other stuff. Always good to get online depth. That's where I think going kind of, I just feel like there's value there in the third round, get a pretty good lineman who can fit. There's just a lot of, if you're going, we're probably going interior linemen, even I would bet. I don't know. They could go tackle, but yeah. Tackle seems like was, to see a higher level to like tackles more where if you're going first round, you yeah. might go for a tackle, but we whiffed what we really did. The one Titans whiff is drafting is Isaiah Wilson to Amen. use a draft pick, a, a first round draft pick on an offensive lineman and whiff that bad is he doesn't even play. A, I mean, his doesn't he only even play four special team snaps and looked terrible. And all four got put right on his butt. Um, that was a swing yeah, and a but, miss and a, and a pretty bad one. But a lot of teams kind of go through. They might have more productive was, busts than that, but, like, they're still busts. At least the Titans got to cut it easy and quick. Yeah. Like, you know what? This is not working out. It's over. Like, we're not – this decision was awful, but, you know, got to cut cut ties with it. And it was during it really the package. COVID year when you couldn't meet with players face-to-face. So that's what I kind of chalk it up to, not being able to get a great feel for his work ethic and kind of mentality at the time. I mean, at Zoom, going over Zoom, it's tough uh, to really read a guy. And I, that plays a lot into to how these players are drafted, how well they fit with the team, and how, if you can tell, they're just a hard worker. And Because, uh, I mean, this team – is full of hard workers and guys who are ready to come out and play um, and work their tails off and uh, go get a Super Bowl. So, yeah, Isaiah Wilson did not fit that mold. Uh, uh, definitely a swing and a miss. But, hey, if we draft an interior lineman in the third round, uh, kind of fill that Saffold spot, I guess we give Raidens a shot at the the right tackle. I say you give him a shot at right tackle. Uh, give We have Nate Davis and then Ben Jones uh, and then Lawan locked up at left tackle. So that, uh, that left guard spot is going to be interesting to see how we fill it. Uh, I don't even, so Quez is gone, right? Quez is gone. Uh, Lamb is gone. Uh, we really don't have 
a lot of depth. What is our current roster yeah. there? I probably should – before I go clamoring for a wide receiver, it wouldn't be bad to kind of take a look. Well, and so I'm wondering, too, we keep talking about how deep this receiver class is. I mean, we see – I mean, we got A.J. Brown in the second round. We see guys like Elijah Molden. I think he also went in the second round last year. Is it possible Yikes. that you could find a really good receiver there in the third round? Because looking at this depth chart, Taylor Lewan at left tackle, Aaron Brewer at left guard, Ben Jones at center, Nate Davis at right guard, and Dylan Radins at right tackle right now. So we, uh, uh, we need an offensive lineman for sure. Aaron Brewer does not need to be starting on this team. I could see J-Rob making some moves. Yeah, there's still. Uh, Let's just say I could see us maybe going back down into the second round or something to get. Maybe yeah, we go wide receiver trade. first, and then then maybe go kind of trade down and get a still top tier off. Yeah, go trade or uh, do it backwards, like you said. Kind of maybe there's and... wide receivers that are. Maybe at 26, he sees that there's still five guys on the board that he would like. You know, at wide receiver, and he's like, you know what, we're going O tackle here. We're going to trade down and snag one of these guys in 10 picks later. Yeah. Um, he works the draft pretty good. It, it really is a lot about positioning in the draft. Like, you know, you could only, you could move up two spots, but you're above two teams who are interested, you know, in the same type player. And so now you, yeah. Where you only move two spots, you moved, you know, a couple guys up your whole big board. So It'll be interesting. They, they tend to work it pretty good. It's, uh, it's a good time to be a Titan. There's not like a ton of glaring holes. To like, like there are definite needs and definite ways to improve, but there's not like a glaring, glaring hole. We're not in desperate need of a franchise quarterback, which is always good. Um, that really handicaps you in the draft. They could look quarterback. I mean, they really could. Like, what if they drafted a quarterback first round? I, I don't see that happening at all. But, you know, I saw some – I read Jim White's put out a list of mock drafts. So, all it had was – it was like 25 guys had a mock draft. And there were several of them with quarterbacks in them. Yeah. But there was also – I was seeing some mock drafts where not a single quarterback was taken in the first round. That'd so, I feel crazy. like there's still That'd a be a huge of... knock on these quarterbacks. Like, none of That's y'all what, went in the first Hey, round. if you want to draft a quarterback, go, like, the Kirk Cousins route and just kind of try to find one. Like, see see if you can just find a little diamond yeah. in the rough there. You could probably get, like, a guy like Ritter in, like, the third round and like, oh yeah, draft him. Like, draft For him. For sure. Third some round, people I'd have Ritter him. going first round, and then some people have him tumbling all the way to third and fourth. So, it's like – it's That's just what I'm saying. Such a it, it'll be, right this draft TVs. is going to be kind of wild. I feel like in terms of there's just no fluidity. You, you are, there's ultimate fluidity. Like you have no idea really kind of where things are going to fall. So I think they'll play it out on game time and, or, you know, when draft comes up and, that's J-Rob's game time, you know, like the players play out the fall, but J-Rob's like, this is his on season. Like this is his window of opportunity to really make strides to solidify the team. And they've done a really good job. You know, they, they have built a strong foundation through the draft. They've been consistently good um, for a franchise like Tennessee. Like we're not like Los Angeles Rams who can just pawn our way to a championship like we can't just go out and get the 10 biggest name free agents or trades and just have fictional cap space and like that doesn't work in Tennessee so they've done a really good job going through the draft I'm sure they will again and 
it will be an exciting season. I think drafting a receiver gets the fans a little more excited because you're like, oh, nice. Like drafting a guard is just not the most exciting decision in round one, but maybe it is the best for the team. So that's thankfully not my decision to make yet. Maybe one day, but uh, but but not yet. Yeah, and kind of going real quick uh, outside of the Titans here, we did have a couple other things happen um, in the NFL. So Devontae Parker being sent to New England. I'm going to trade, obviously, with the Dolphins acquiring uh, Tyreek Hill in that blockbuster, um, getting paid $30 million a year. That's going to be interesting how that plays out. But we also had a pre-draft day draft pick trade today between the Eagles and Saints. Uh, so a lot of picks being exchanged here. I'm pulling up the exact numbers. Uh, so the Saints are going to get number 16, number 19, and number 194 in the draft this year. Eagles will get number 18, number 101, and number 237, along with a 2023 first and a 2024 second. So Saints are kind of going all in for those two first-round picks um, and obviously giving up that 18, but um, Saints are saying we need talent now in the first round. Let's go get those two first-rounders. And then Eagles, I guess, are playing the long game a little bit with obviously the extra first-rounder next year and the second-rounder coming in 2024. Um, With the Eagles not needing a quarterback, I feel like that's kind of why this trade may have been made. Uh, but then again, like we were just talking about, we don't even know if a quarterback is going to be drafted in the first round. Well, haven't um, and, some haven't some talked about the Eagles still possibly taking a quarterback? Yeah, there was some talk about that, but I, at least me personally, I like Jalen Hurts a lot. And I, I do think too. Yeah. You uh, uh, put some good pieces in front of him, get a good defense going, um, and I think he can be successful. But maybe the Eagles see something differently. You never know. But. Uh, I always love – I wish that ha- they could have waited until draft day to happen. I love draft day, draft pick trades. Draft out day of the drama. Blue. Yeah, draft day drama. It's awesome when you know, these GMs' backs are against the wall and they get a little antsy and they're like, well, crap, I need I, I need to pick this round. Let's do it. Let's do it and, and send something and craziness happens. So I think that's uh, still, still – uh, going to be fun to watch, but uh, bringing it back to the Titans here before we get into the Masters, I did want to talk about uh, Caleb Farley. So he's listed as uh, a starting corner ahead of Elijah Molden, um, ahead of Chris Jackson and Buster Screen. Uh, him and Fulton are going to be uh, the the one and two. What do we think about that? I mean, is he going to be ready to go? I'm nervous. I mean, I would. I hope so. I think he's because... going to be ready to go injury-wise, but development wise i don't know well that's what yeah and i i hope so just because i mean that was your your first round pick last year you're expecting a lot out of them and while i mean those guys you mentioned i really like molden um he's obviously probably doesn't have quite the athletic ability farley has but he's a playmaker and he's real gritty kind of player and he'll probably still play a lot but yeah he'll i mean those other guys you mentioned are kind of nfl journeymen that's like yeah you don't necessarily want them starting although they did at times last year so yeah and played well chris jackson played really well last year but yeah looking into the future i think you gotta give farley his chance um and and playing time to to get there because it takes a lot for a cornerback to develop and get ready for the nfl game speed i think molden's a consistent role player i don't know if he's quite a consistent starter maybe a couple years down the road um 
Molden's probably not your, you know, one B corner starting on yeah. the outside. Like he, he is a good, he's a good player, great contributor will be a big factor in the defense, but you know, he's not quite your true lockdown, like outside corner kind of, you know, on your star receiver type of guy, kind of like Caleb Farley, hopefully can't be now he needs to yeah. prove I mean, he's got a lot to prove. Um, so that'll be fun to watch, but I think he's very capable if he can stay healthy and, and really be productive on the defense. It's a, it's a good time to be a cornerback in the Titans defense because our D line is just nasty. Probably the best D line is a problem. So it's a pretty good time to be, a, you know, probably have some guys with high interception totals maybe this year. And I could see Bayard having a pretty good year of interceptions or something like that. Yeah. Kind of do for a high interception rate again. Um, he played, I feel like he played a lot better last year. Um, then he, like, I was almost kind of getting out on Kevin Byard. I just thought he was a step yeah, low almost incredible two last years year, ago, first team all but he pro. did. No, he did. He stepped it. Like he proved me wrong and totally and stepped it back up to a really high level. So defense is going to be fun to watch. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot more off season stuff left before we really get into in the business. I'm excited about our linebackers. Cause looking at the, the depth chart here, Harold Landry on the outside with uh, Dupree on the other side. And then we have David Long and Zach Cunningham still in the middle with Ola Adedine, Monty Rice, Rashad Weaver all coming off the bench. I mean, that's a lot of deep. I mean, we're deep from the pass rush standpoint and really from the, the Mike standpoint too in, in the middle here. So, man, I'm, I'm excited to see how this defense even gets another year under their belt together. Um, there's, there's a lot of potential and I think, yeah, we've gone so heavy on the pass rush and front seven right now that, I mean, whoever's going to be out there in the secondary is going to, it's going to be a lot easier on them for sure. Yeah. It'll be an interesting off season for sure. And kind of seeing how, I mean, I'll be excited for the preseason to see kind of how all these guys, especially these younger guys pan out. But yeah. Let's, let's move into, uh, we obviously have the masters coming up this week. Yeah. One of my, honestly, one of my favorite sporting events of the year. Like it's probably up there ahead of some, some of the kind of traditional sporting events, but yeah, I mean, we we're kind of getting the, we're kind of assuming that it looks like Tiger's going to play. Uh, I know he played in the practice round. Yeah. So. His practice round. So Fred couples um, is very optimistic. Tiger's going to play after seeing his practice round. So he said he looks phenomenal in mm-hmm. quotes. Wow. Tiger playing. I, is actually about as close to a miracle like as they were thinking about amputating his legs like yeah and this was was not that long ago not not very long ago 14 months ago 14 months they wanted they thought about they thought about they maybe they weren't that close but they thought about amputating his legs and now he's on the cusp of starting in the masters that's it's Almost, almost unbelievable, but only Tiger Woods. And if he wins, only one, Tiger Woods. If he you almost feel one. like if he starts it, he's a threat to win it. Well, so that's what I'm, right I'm now. I'm he's, looking at but the he's, odds he's, right now. he's had the most bets. I read that today, oh, yeah. too. The most people have bet on Tiger Woods because he is a fun value, you know, just like throw some yeah. money on Tiger. But well, and that's the thing, he's at plus 7,000 right now, which isn't, you know, that's not like assuming he's going to win but the fact that the dude is like half metal 
and can barely walk and he's that like it's still only plus seven thousand like you have guys on here that are plus 15 plus twenty two thousand. you know tiger yeah. we don't even know if he can walk all 72 holes and he's still plus seven thousand. and yeah you best believe i'm gonna throw 10 bucks if, on him if he makes the cut if he even makes the cut i would be just like amazed he hasn't played golf. I mean, he has like he's obviously played enough golf to feel comfortable going to play the Masters, but he hasn't played a tournament round. Well, he's got a different since, body. It's amazing. I love Tiger, man. Every time you want to count Tiger out, even me, one of the staunchest Tiger like supporters, biggest Tiger lovers since I was a kid. Like he is golf to me. Even no, I've actually, been like, nah, he's done. Like, there's no way he's like. I have seen my the last of Tiger Woods. I literally thought that in my head. I mean, he proves me wrong again. So many people were saying that around, I guess it was around 2015 or so for those few years. There's, it's twice. Like yeah. There's been multiple points in his career. It's like he's not coming back from this. And he comes, him winning the last Masters was one of those moments like no one ever thought he could do that. And yeah. then to win the Masters, now you thought he couldn't even walk again maybe. And now he's playing in the Masters, like 14 months after. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But going, I mean, a few years ago, I had finally gotten to the point where I was like, all right, it's been a long time. I don't know if it's going to happen. And then it was actually in, I think it was the PGA Championship before the Masters when he like really made a run for it and got close. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, shoot, Ooh, Tiger Tiger's actually can still good, play. Yeah. Like He's got a chance at this. And then he comes in, wins the Masters what uh 2019 years after yeah or 11 i don't even know when his last major i think his last major may have been in 08 or something something uh, like that yeah it's i think 11 years is right yeah but um one thing i did want to touch on besides tiger uh some of these odds just in case you're looking for some value picks now the favorites are pretty much who you would expect john rom's up there as the JT. main favorite at yeah. plus 800 yeah you got Spieth, DJ, Kepka, JT, DeChambeau, Rory, Morikawa, all kind of around there um, in that plus 12 or 1400 to 800 range. But then I do like I, I do like to point out a couple guys that I always <laughs> bet on in majors just for the value uh, that I and just because I'm kind of big fans of them. I always sprinkle a little on Tommy Fleetwood. I was about to say Tommy Fleetwood. He's, Let's he's go. at plus, plus sixty one hundred. Oh, man. I'm seeing Maybe plus eight thousand on uh, on another. Whoa, whoa, on what? Uh, this is ActionNetwork.com from. Oh, okay. um, and this was yeah updated today at one. Okay, PM. well I'll check all my other sites then. Yeah, as well. so I would see if you can get him at plus eight thousand. Yeah, oh, I will. And then also, uh, Finau is a guy I always he and he's come real close a couple times. He's he's. Uh, I think it was actually the year Tiger won the Masters. He was up there in the top five for a long time. And he's, Trucio, tell me what Finau's at on your site, because I've got him at plus 4,000 here. Plus 6,600. All right. These odds suck then. I'm going on a different site. <laughs> yeah. I would, so this is odds via points bet, uh, 2022 Masters odds updated okay. April 4th. Yeah. So today at um, 1 p.m. So yeah. maybe the odds could have changed, but I doubt they would have changed that much in a, a, a six-hour period. Yeah. Um, I mean, you obviously, I love betting on golf because, you know, you can just throw a little money on six or seven guys and the payout can just be great. Yeah. You if know? you hit one, you throw you 20 gotta, bucks on five guys, you, you bet a hundred bucks on the masters and yeah, you're probably going to be out a hundred. When bucks, you really but, have a great chance, even if you're betting on some of those favorites, I mean, you're still going to come out on top if they win, but yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of people. Rom at plus 1100. So 
Yeah, there you go. And then I always like to throw a little maybe on the younger guys. Look at a guy like Zalatoris uh, or uh, Matt Wolf. You know, just sprinkle a little on there because they're again, those are going to be really good value picks, and you never know when. Younger guys are kind of easy to go with because you just don't know how hot they could get and they start hitting the ball well and they just hit a groove and, you know, it's And it's tough to walk 72 holes when you're a little bit older and, I mean, it just wears you down. So some of those young guys can kind of withstand uh, the heat there and keep rolling. So I I like your uh, thought behind that, Will. Yeah. I mean, I just love the Masters. It's fun. I mean – it almost has a little bit of kind of first round March Madness feel to me because, you know, it's on all day. You can flip it on during work, be able to kind of keep up with it the whole day, watch the featured groups. They've done a really good job of that, too, I think, with the whole Masters app and being able to watch coverage before it comes on CBS or whatever it usually comes on. So I'm excited for it for sure. The grass is greener. The, you know, the, the flowers are prettier. It's just, it's just the beautiful, most beautiful backdrop. And you're already kind of itching for spring. You know, it comes at a time where you're like kind of coming out of winter and you're really itching for that. And then you just see the bright colors and it's like the most vibrant scene and pageantry of like the masters. And it's the best golfers in the world on like the most beautiful playing surface ever created. And it's just a visual spectacle and it's thrilling drama it's Jim Nance, and you're probably going to take a little nap. You know, like you're going to get a nap or two in Masters weekend because you're going to be watching golf for a while. You're going to doze off for a few minutes. That's cool. You know, get that nap in early Sunday round, you know, maybe right before the, the leaders tee off or maybe even right after, you know, they're on hold two. I can nap for two holes, catch catch right back up with them. Um, it is exciting. It's a, it, it's a kickoff to kind of summer almost like – you skip spring. You really kind of go right into summer after the Masters. Yeah, we might have to do a, a little Pater Masters draft pool or something, um, or maybe even uh, will that uh, group we got for the the tournament and fantasy football and everything. We might have to throw out a little uh, Masters draft pool. How does that work? So do you literally just get to kind of draft players like we'd all throw money? Yeah. In so there's um, a couple of different ways you can do it. Uh, so. You can do a random selection one. There's a, a six tiers and use four, choose five, use four, snake draft. Um, so there's a couple of different ways you can kind of do it, but essentially you you draft and use or, or draft five or six guys and use four. And then whoever has obviously the lowest combined score out of those uh, those four Ooh. that you choose. So yeah, there's uh, some pretty cool pools that you can put together. Yeah, so um, you're not just picking winner. You're picking yeah, four so, good, yeah, yeah, four good players that you're uh, gonna combine together. So it's uh, it's pretty fun to do. I I've had friends do it, but I haven't had a chance to do it. So maybe we'll have to put something together this year. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again for listening. Remember, this is Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check out sixpackcoverage.com. Check them out on social media at Six Pack Coverage. Check us out on social media: Twitter at Pater underscore Sports. Instagram at Paydirt Sports. Check out the blog, paydirtsports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening. Uh, we're about to watch this national championship, see what happens. So, Go Heels. Sure, we'll be talking about it next week. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see you all then. Paydirt out. <laughs>